This morning, um, we're just going to dive back into our series, Jesus in His Own Words. There's seven times in the gospel that actually Jesus talks about himself and says, I am. Pastor Craig opened up the series with, I am the bread of life. And he did a great job communicating that the words of Jesus are for us are stronger than any word that might be against us. And Pastor Carl did a great job talking about Jesus' statement of, I am the light. That the light always reveals the darkness, what darkness would try to conceal. And if you haven't heard those messages, they're available online. This week, I'm going to look at the statement that Jesus made of, I am the door, or I am the gate, depending on the version you look at. And when you think of doors, you probably don't actually have a lot of thought about them, because they're just kind of there. They're functional. They're not super exciting. I painted my front door purple one time because it was so boring. It just needed some life. But we don't have a lot of feelings, positive or negative, about doors. We just kind of use them and don't even, you probably don't even think about it as you walk through the door. But some of us, you know, as I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about doors, I thought, you know, one of our kids actually has a fairly negative response when she thinks about doors. Um, And you can hear the chuckling because they know where we're going. I'm going with this. Because you see, there was one time when our kids were little and we had just come home from something. We had some friends over. We're standing around in the yard. It was probably about this time of year. It was a beautiful day. And for some reason, our kids decided that the car door would be so fun to play with. Because, you know, we've spent all this money on toys and bikes, but why would you play with those when the car door is right there? And so the kids, especially this one daughter, kept going in the car, and they wouldn't even stay in there that long. Like, it wasn't like they were playing with the car. They would just get in, shut the door. A few minutes later, they'd come out, shut the door. Then they'd go back in and come out. And they were in and out, in and out. And all, you know, Craig and I are talking with our friends, and we finally, we're like, you know, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt, Right? So we decided this is the end of the game. We're going to shut the door. I think it was Craig. I'm not quite sure. It's a little fuzzy. But I feel like it was Craig that went over to this daughter and said, no, this is done. Shut the door and locked it and walked away. So he walks over and joins us as we're talking. And immediately as he shuts the door, our daughter starts crying. And so what's your first thought as a parent? Oh, she's having a tantrum. She did, well, that's my first thought anyways. It sounds like maybe your kids wouldn't have responded that way, but my kids started crying, and we're like, it doesn't matter how much you cry over there. We're not opening the door. The game is done. But she kept crying. So then it kind of got to tantrum stage. So then it was kind of like, well, you know, the neighbors are probably going to notice. So we decided to go over and to take this child and bring her inside where we could appropriately explain to her that tantrums were not appropriate. That's what we called it. So as we went over to explain this to her, we realized there was actually a reason why she was screaming her face off. It was because we had closed her fingers in the car door. And she couldn't move. She literally was stuck and could not move. Yeah, there's therapy for that, honey. Don't worry. Parenting fail majorly in that moment. But let's look at what Jesus says about himself when he's actually saying, I am the door. I want to look at a a passage of scripture in John chapter 10. And it starts out with, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold 
rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know a stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it for them. He's so good to us. He said, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate or the door. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity for us to gather together here as family this morning. Lord, I just pray that as we listen to this message that each one of us, our hearts would be challenged and encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. This is such an amazing passage, and I'm not going to lie. You know, traditionally when I would read through this passage, the main point that I would get from this passage is, you know, Jesus says, those who come in through me will be saved. I, I primarily thought of it as a salvation message. But there's so much more to this. And as I was studying it, God was really begin, just began to speak to me about different aspects of that door and what, he, what it looked like when he was talking about the door. I love how he doesn't mince words. At the end of verse 9, he talks about he is literally the only way. You know, today we have so many people um, that will be trying to tell you and convince you that there's many paths that lead to salvation. There's many ways that you can get from where you are to lasting peace, to fulfillment, to satisfaction. And if you don't find a particular path that you like, well, why don't you just take a little bit from each one of those paths and make your own way? It's so prevalent in our culture right now. But I love how Jesus' claim is that he is the door and he is the only way to salvation. It's a bold claim but I think he can stand up to it. And we'll look at that a little bit more later. I also wanted to look at primarily that it talks about how the sheep would come and go and find good pasture. And I think we are faced with a door of opportunity daily. I want us to take a look right now at what it means to choose Jesus as a door of opportunity each and every day. You see, when you first make that decision for salvation and you decide you're going to become part of the flock or the family of God, that first decision to walk through the door is powerful. It literally is life-changing. It will be the best decision you will ever make. But salvation isn't the end of the story. If it was, once we gave our heart to Jesus, we'd just go home to be with him, don't you think? Don't give you any more chances to sin or you know, screw something up. Maybe that's just me. But he actually cares about our every day. Not just that we will spend eternity with him. That is important. 
And you know, I can't myself, I can't actually imagine, especially as I look back over my life, how I would have walked through and faced some of the things that I've faced if I didn't know that Jesus was there with me. If I hadn't made the choice for him to be that door that I walked through daily, that with his wisdom, I could know how to walk through situations. With his protection, when I look back and say, God, it's a miracle that I'm still here. That when I make the choice daily, I have an opportunity to partner with him for my provision, for my protection, for everything that I need. But I have to choose. In our house, we have a saying called, every day is a choose day. Not a Tuesday, a choose day. But you see, I believe that Jesus is the door to our destiny. And if Jesus is saying he is that door and we need to choose to walk through it daily, how much better will our day go when we've made that choice to go in and out with him every day? Because you see, the door is just there. It doesn't impose itself in your life. It doesn't move. It doesn't care what you think about it. It's just kind of there. And in a way, Jesus is there, and he's available, and he has everything for you. But are you going to make the choice to walk through into salvation? And then what about every day? Are you going to make that decision to walk through that door every day and invite him in? Because I know for me, I want to find that good pasture that he talks about. And I believe that when we put him first and invite him into every area of our day, every decision, every conversation that you would have, I think we would find that we, things begin to shift in how our day goes. I know for me, especially when my kids were small, I would often feel like I didn't have time to invite Jesus into my day every day. And you know what? I'm sure if I did, I would have had less days like the one I'm going to tell you about. Again, my kids were small. I'm thinking maybe I need therapy. Because a lot of these stories happen when my kids were small. But when our, when our kids were little, I was able to be a stay-at-home mom. And I actually am so thankful that I had that opportunity, that I could be there. I wasn't always thankful in the moment, not going to lie. But I, I am thankful now that I had time to spend with my kids. And I remember this one day in particular. And I feel like it was probably the same child that had her hand stuck in the door. But I'm not going to out them right now because I'm not 100% sure. But I had just spent a significant amount of time very eloquently communicating, speaking to my children about what needed to happen. You need to do this. I want this done. I want it done this way. Like very eloquently, I laid it all out. And then I finished. And what do you think happened? Nothing. No one moved, no one stopped what they were doing, no one started doing what I had asked, and I was so frustrated. Moms, you know that moment? It's usually about five minutes before your husband walks in and wants dinner, and he takes one look at you, and he's like, have you been this crazy all day? And just a tip, you may not want to say that, especially not in that moment, or she might lose her crazy all over you. But I was in that place where I was literally at the end of myself, and I remember I said out loud, I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Am I just speaking to the wall? And one of my children pipes up. Yeah, Mom, you're just talking to the wall. 
Well, at least they were honest. They were choosing to ignore me. They were choosing to not listen to what I said. But I was so frustrated in that moment. And just a little tip, I heard this a few weeks ago. It's such a great idea. Didn't know it at the time. If you've got small kids, this pastor friend of mine, he used to say to his daughters, come here, I want you to put your finger on my nose. Because then they were so close he could look into their eyes and he had their attention. That's for free for someone out there who has toddlers. But if you don't want to end up every day with that crazy going all over everybody, how about if you invited Jesus in, in that moment for sure, but how about even at the beginning of your day? Because you see, every decision that I need to make at work, if I've invited Jesus in to be part of my day with me, he will walk me through that decision. Every relationship that might seem to be broken around you right now and you just don't know how to function or how you're supposed to respond, Jesus has the answer in that situation for you. Maybe you're facing university. What courses am I going to take? What school am I going to go to? I don't even know. But Jesus is the door to your destiny, so he already knows. But we have to be in relationship with him so that we can begin to access that. I love how it says, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only come with one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness. That's the destiny that's waiting on the other side of the door for us. But we have to make that choice. It's kind of like if you think of a door standing here. And Jesus is saying, okay, I am the door. And on this side of the door, there is an actual enemy of our soul today. And he wants nothing more than for there to be broken relationships, brokenness, broken heart, destruction. His goal is to actually destroy you. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry to let you know this morning. But there's an enemy on this side of the door and he wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy from you. And then we have Jesus, the door. And if we're willing to invite him to not just be the door of salvation, but to look and say, okay, Lord, I'm actually going to choose to walk through this door into the destiny that you have for me, and I'm going to invite you to come along with me so that I can come and I can go. I can go into the door, I can walk into those beautiful green pastures, and I can come back out here where maybe things are a little bit rocky, but I know that you're here with me, and you're going to cover me and protect me and provide for everything I need as I face it daily. You know, I think we can be so confused at times about doors, open and closed doors. You've all heard that. If God closes a door, he's going to open a window. Not always. Sometimes he's actually closing a door because we're not ready to walk through it. We might think we are, and we can, we can push against that door. We can rail at that door. We can curse you, stupid door. Why? It kind of looks like me when I'm at the shopping center and I haven't paid attention, and the door says pull, and I'm pushing as hard as I can. But we're pushing as hard as we can against that door. God, why did you close this door on me? Why won't this door open? I really want it open. And God's standing behind it with his hand on it. Because he knows if you go in before the right time, it's going to destroy you.
And I think there's other times where, where we're pulling as hard as we can. I've done that too. And usually my husband comes along, Shanda, did you read the sign? Are you aware of what's going on? Okay, well, maybe I was in a hurry. But I think there's times we're pulling on that door because we want to close it because we can see a glimpse and we know that, oh, that's a little bit scary. I might not be comfortable if I walk into that. And so we're trying to close that door as fast as we can. And Jesus has got his hand in between us and the door. And he's saying, you know what? I know you're afraid of this and you're, you don't think you're quite ready to walk into it, but he knows that the very healing that you need, the very answer you need, is as you're going to take that step of faith and walk into the destiny that he has for you. we got to trust. It all comes down to trust. And I think sometimes we also have a, a, a faulty image of who Jesus is. And this will affect your trust. It will affect, it will affect if you're actually able to trust him in those moments when the door closes and you're not aware why. Sometimes I think we think of Jesus as that big joker up in the sky. That he's just waiting where he can just pull that carpet out from under you. Or you might feel like, this is too good to be true. The, the shoe's going to drop at any moment. So we don't fully trust what he says. Sometimes I think we might view Jesus like a big slot machine or vending machine in the sky. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I, I need a jackpot right now. Just, you know, come on, pour it on me. Or maybe we think of Jesus more like Santa, that he's seen our list and he's got us everything we want. I think sometimes, though, we might view Jesus as, I, I picture like this big desk in the sky with a judge behind it. And he's looking down at you with judgment, just waiting until you screw up and he can pass judgment on what you've done or decisions you've made. Sometimes I think we look at Jesus and we think of a butler. He's just kind of there. He's not real influential in our life. He doesn't really have much to say to us. He just is kind of there and does things for us. But can I tell you this morning that none of those are who Jesus is. But how we view Jesus determines how much we trust him and how willing we are to make choices to walk into and invite him to daily be that door for us. Do you view him as a loving dad? Someone that would help at a moment's notice? I know my husband, we, we just have this thing in our house. It doesn't matter what time of night it is. If there's a call that comes in at night, it's dad that's going to get them. Because we just know it won't be safe because I'll still be half comatose. But I love how my husband is a great picture of a good dad for our daughters. He literally would do anything. He would go without so that they would have do you trust him in that way? That what he says is true and that he actually wants your best. Even when he closes a door that you thought should stay open. Because if we don't trust who he is, we won't be willing to walk through that door initially for sure, let alone every day. But you know, we have this opportunity on the other side. As much as the enemy might be on this side of Jesus trying to destroy and bring hopelessness, when we look at the door and the door begins to open, that destiny is on the other side. 
And that is, it looks like what he talks about in the end of, of uh, verse 9 and 10. It's a life of freedom, a life of satisfaction, and a life of abundance. I don't think we fully grasp the picture that, that um, when, in this scripture, Jesus is talking about being the door. If you can put the picture up on screen, this is an artist's drawing of what this verse is actually kind of talking about. Because you see, at night, um, it's not like it was a big metropolis, and the sheep, it was just open pasture. So they would build these kind of structures to provide some form of security for the sheep. And you can see the shepherd is literally making himself the door. And I love this. This is a picture of what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. Because you see, that shepherd would be there, and he would stand there as the sheep were coming back in. He'd be checking them over, making sure there's no brambles or thorns, that they've, they've walked in that day, that there's no illness, they haven't picked up any bugs. He's counting each and every one as it comes, making sure they're all there, making sure they're all safe. And then he places himself between the safety that they've now provided and what's out there. Because there would have been all kinds of wild animals that would also be roaming those fields. And I'm sure they could smell the wonderful possible lamb dinner that was behind these walls. So the shepherd, or as Jesus is saying, like he would put himself in between any harm and keeping them from the, 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 the possibility of the wolves or the animals coming and destroying. And Jesus wants to be that door for each and every one of us today. He cares about every detail. Not so he can control our lives. He's not some big brother up in the sky that's wanting to dictate exactly how your life is going. But he knows the destiny he has for you on the other side of the door. And he's there willing. Are you willing to walk through him into all that he would have for you? A life of fulfillment and freedom and hope. So when the door to that job closed for you, are you willing to believe and trust that if that happened, that God had something better for you? Or maybe right now you're in a season where you feel like you're trying to run, but you just keep getting slowed down. Maybe God's slowing you down for a season because he knows you need the rest for the season that you're going to be stepping into next. You know, if we will allow him daily to be that door that we can come and go out of with him, if we will trust him with our very lives, he will stand between us and anything we're facing. He will stand between you and what you actually can't face on your own. I don't know what you're facing right now. For me, um, there's been a season where it's been super busy and I'm feeling like I'm pulled in lots of different directions. And I can tell you without knowing that I can go to Jesus to ask him for wisdom to know what and when and how, I would be a mess on the floor. I'd be completely overwhelmed. I'm also staring at a nest that's getting emptier and emptier. Although next weekend, I'm going to bring my youngest home, for which I'm very excited. It's hard to believe a year's gone so fast. But what are you facing right now? Maybe you woke up and now all of a sudden you're facing a divorce and you're like, I don't even know how I got here, let alone what to do. Will you trust him? Will you let Jesus door that has the answer to that for you? Maybe you're staring down the loss of a job and it's terrifying. Will you let Jesus be the door to the answer that you need?
Maybe you've recently lost a loved one or there's someone sick in your family and you're at your wit's end. Will you allow Jesus to be the door that has the answer on the other side for you? Maybe you're facing a future as an older individual and you know you still have lots to offer, but you're not quite sure what it looks like. Will you allow Jesus to be the door to have the answer for you? Because Jesus is the door to the destiny that is already ours. But we have to choose to trust him. A door doesn't force its way into your life, and Jesus is not going to force his way into your life and force you to include him as part of your decisions. But if you don't choose to open that door, you might actually miss out. So what's your response when that door closes? Do you get angry? I do sometimes. Do you just start pushing against it? You know, for us, nine years ago when the door to ministry closed quite firmly on us. It was a hard season. Our job, our home, family relationships were breaking down all over the place. People in our family had recently passed away. And I remember Craig and I coming and standing in front of that door as it, it just closed. And we looked back and, and we had an opportunity in that moment. Were we gonna get mad? Were we going to be upset? Were we going to try and push that door open as hard as we could? And it came down to a moment, Craig and I were sitting in our bedroom and said, you know what? We're going to make a choice right now. We are choosing in this moment to believe what God said in his word, that it's true. That if this door is closing, then he must have something else that's even better for us. And you know, in that moment, I remember we had gone and we had um, gone to visit a pastor, a friend of ours who was really influential in our life. And he said this phrase to me. He said, honey, right now, this doesn't feel very good. But there's going to be a day where you look back and you realize this was the best thing that ever happened to you. And can I tell you now, nine years later, when I look back on those nine years, were they always easy? <laughs> no. Were there moments that were difficult where you've got kids crying in your arms and they just don't understand what's going on and why everything has happened? Were those moments easy? No. But when I look back over those nine years, they were, they've been probably the best nine years of our life. They've been so good. In spite of and including the difficult parts of those years. I'm so thankful that that door closed. And you know what? I really felt this morning that there's some of you, you might be like me in that moment when that pastor said to me, this doesn't feel so great right now because you're really close to that door closing and you're still feeling the pain of that door not being accessible to you. And I feel like the Lord said that you need to know that the difference between me now and me in 2010 is nine years. And you know what changed in those nine years? My perspective. 
And I feel like the Lord said, there's some of you here this morning that you've been walking in a tough season and the door has been closed in your face and it's been painful. Or you've been pushing at a door for a long time trying to open. And I felt like the Lord said that this morning that you need to know and grab a hold of this promise that the perspective of heaven is what's going to make the difference. As you choose to allow him to be that door, as you make the choice of God, regardless of what I'm facing in this moment, I am choosing to take you at your word. I am going to trust you that no matter what, I know the future and the destiny you have for me is good. Can I tell you, if you hear nothing else this morning, perspective is everything. And the perspective of time that I walk in now, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I personally have grown more in the last nine years than in the last 39. Okay, maybe I can't do math real on the, on the fly. So however many years before that. It really, we are walking in some amazing days right now and I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that that door closed. You know, the apostle Paul encountered this himself in the book of Acts. In the chapter 16, it talks about how Paul, who had a dramatic salvation, and he, he was like oppressing and, and persecuting Christians, and then through an amazing story of salvation, he became one that then began to help churches and help people. And there was a point in his ministry around chapter 16 where he, he knew he was supposed to go somewhere next, but every time he tried to go somewhere, God's like, mm, no. You want to go over there? Nope. Sorry, that door's closing. How about over here, Jesus? No, 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 no. That's not the, quite the right one. And Paul, in that moment, had a choice to make. Was he going to trust Jesus, or he could have got mad? Like, God, you called me to ministry. You called me to, to make a difference in people's lives, to spread the gospel, to, to spread the church. And it was like, like, God, why are you closing all these doors in my face? And it wasn't until he had a dream of a man in another land saying, come on over. And Paul knew in that moment that it was time. We don't know, it doesn't say in scripture, why each one of those places that Paul wanted to go wasn't the right place. We don't know what God was protecting them from, in, from allowing him to go there. But what we do know is that when Paul responded correctly in the moment and he went, that's where Paul met Lydia. And Lydia, who became a believer, was a great support to Paul throughout the rest of his ministry. And because Paul was obedient and he went where God had actually told him to go, this was where the gospel expanded into Europe for the first time. What had looked like continual doors closing was actually God's design because he had a specific place and a specific people that he needed the gospel to go to. I think also we need to look at, are we willing to be a door for someone else? See, Jesus was that door for us so that we could walk into salvation. Are we willing to be a door of salvation to lead someone else to salvation? I love how much, so much of scripture is example after example of what Jesus has done for us. Not just so that we can be comfortable and know that, well, we made the right decision, so we've got our ticket punched, we're good. No, he showed us again and again of his love that he had for the lost. 
as I was preparing this message, that Sunday school song kept coming back to me, one door and only one, and yet the sides are two, inside and outside. On which side are you? Who remembers that song? I know I'm really dating myself. There's a few hands. Awesome. For those of you that don't know, we used to sing that in Sunday school. And I think that that is a question that, that needs to begin to resonate with us again today. You know, there's so many around us who are actually trapped on the outside of that door looking in. They actually don't even know that there is a door of opportunity for them to walk through. In 2017, they did a survey, and there was approximately 518,000 people living in Surrey as of 2017. And they say there's approximately 1,000 people a month moving into our city. That's a lot of people. And when you stop and think about it, there's not a lot of churches that name the name of Jesus in the city of Surrey that are that big. So there's a lot of people in our city that don't know Jesus. They don't know that there's a door of opportunity right in front of them. They're wandering around, wondering, wondering is there really any purpose in this life that I'm living? Does it really make a difference if I live or die? These kind of questions are being asked every single day in our city. Will anyone notice if I'm not around? Is there a hope for this illness that I'm facing, for this depression that I battle every single day? Is there an answer for that? What about the brokenness that's in my life right now? Is there any answer to these things that hurt me so bad that I can't even come out of my room some days? Let alone future. Who has time to think about a future? But we've got that answer. Jesus is the door to the destiny that is already theirs. They just don't know it. You may have heard the saying that we are his hands and feet. We are the ones that have the opportunity to show the people around us who Jesus is. But are we actually willing to be those ones? Are we willing to invest in relationships with someone who doesn't know Jesus? Not just so we have a plus one at Easter or Christmas. We talk about that a lot here. We want to make sure that we're inviting people. But are, do we invest in them beyond Easter and Christmas. You know, both Craig and I were really uh, convicted this last Easter because we have some, a few plus ones. We pray for them often. We text them. We're checking in. How are you doing? And we make sure we faithfully invite them. But as Easter was coming and going, both of us were really impacted with, do they know every day that we actually care about them? Are we investing in them beyond those two times a year. And that, that doesn't necessarily have to just be friends. That could be family as well. Because you see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The definition of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others, then take action to help. To recognize the suffering of others and then do something about it. That's the actual definition of compassion. You know, over 21 times in the New Testament, Jesus, there's the phrase used that Jesus was moved with compassion. He did something because of the feeling that he was feeling towards the people. But what does that look like? What does investing in individuals look like? Can I tell you simply, there's people in your life 
in your sphere of influence that you already know who don't know Jesus. It could be a neighbor. It could be a sibling. It could be a family member. It could be your boss. It could be a coworker. It could be the parents of the kids, your kids' sports team that you see every weekend at tournaments. I'm not saying you need to go stand out on a street corner, although if you feel called to do that, go ahead. I'm saying that there's probably people already in your life, and we can sometimes be overwhelmed when we begin to think about that. I know for me, I was like, but Jesus, don't you know how busy I am? Like, I barely, literally have time to see my own siblings, let alone people that I'm friends with and I'm trying to bring to Jesus. But it really, it just, it really impacted me that it, it doesn't have to be a big process. I just need to be with them and do life with them. Eat meals together. Invite them over. We get so closed in behind our own doors. Let's just begin to invite some people in and just begin to have relationship with them. But you might be thinking, but I don't have a, a Bible college degree. I don't know how to speak to them about Jesus. And there's a phrase that we hear often that preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Okay, it's a great phrase, but it's incomplete. Because yes, our lives should be a testimony of who Jesus is, but we also have to use words as well. You know, we have some friends back in the island, and there was a season where they were, um, we knew them when we lived in Campbell River, and then we moved about a 45-minute drive away. So we didn't see them as often. And they came to a season where they were having to make multiple trips down to Victoria to see doctors. And at one of those times, they asked if we would look after their daughter, who was about two years old at the time. And I remember it so clearly as they came in, they dropped her off, and we're like, it's okay, just go. We got this. You know, we, we can look after her. And we kept her for several hours, put her to bed that night. She went to sleep. It was no problem, no issue. And when they came back to pick her up, it was late. It was probably around midnight. The mom comes in, and she's like, well, where's our daughter? And I said, well, she's sleeping in the other room. She's like, what? She's like, that never happens. She never settles for anyone. How did you get her to sleep? And her husband pipes up. Honey, you know they've got that God thing going on here. It's that Jesus piece. <laughs> he didn't know what it was, but we had lived our lives and included Jesus in our daily life so that our home, I mean, people are telling us we're different all the time, let's be honest. <laughs> but in this case, it was a good thing. There was something different. They knew that there was something different about us, but we didn't just stop there. We took the opportunities to take those scary steps and to share with them, you know what? You could have that peace too. You know that, that situation that you're facing right now that seems impossible, where you're trying to have another baby and it's just not working out? Can we pray for you right now? Because we've seen in our life, just tell them your story. You don't need the Bible college degree. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And we took moments where we just let them know, you know what? We've seen God do some miracles in our own life, and we want to pray for you. Is that okay? And they're like, sure, not a problem. Because you know what? As much as you think that you're maybe, you're not that light, you are different. And it's a good thing. And people recognize it, but they need to know why you're different why you look at life differently, why you have a confidence and a peace that they don't have. 
So are we willing to stretch ourselves with the people that we're already in relationship with and open that and be that door? Don't hide your faith. Live it. Use words and action. Invite them to church. Invite them into your home. Begin to have relationship and invest in people more than twice a year. And finally, Jesus was very clear, as we said at the beginning, about his claim that he is the only door, the only way to salvation. There are no other options. To discover lasting peace, lasting strength, it's only going to come through him. He was the one who sacrificed his life, was crucified, was raised again after three days, not just so that we would have a way to eternal life, but so that our everyday life could be better. He said, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. Not just a little. Everything. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. That's the destiny that Jesus is the door to. If I could invite the band to come, and if you could stand with me, we're just going to get ready to close here. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord and leader and savior of your life. Maybe you'd never heard that Jesus loved you so much that he actually gave up his life and was killed on a cross so that you could be saved. You know, I made that decision when I was probably about three or four years old in a little Sunday school in a Baptist church in Campbell River. So I, I actually don't really remember a life without Jesus. But I do remember there was a time when I was about 12 years old where my dad walked away from our home and I was at a summer camp. And in that moment, I was feeling so alone and so broken. I, I didn't know how I was gonna, that was back in the day when there weren't a lot of people that were getting divorced. I was the first one of my friends that, that walked through that. So I didn't have a lot of people around me that, that could tell me it's gonna be okay and, and how I was gonna walk through that season. And I remember being at an altar at a, at a summer camp and they gave an altar call. And I just kind of recommitted my life to the Lord and I invited him in to, to be that door of salvation that I could walk into, that I could leave the hurts and the brokenness and the pain. And I can tell you that in that moment, everything changed for me. I remember making that decision and I remember something like shifting inside me. And where there had been fear a moment before, there was this peace that I didn't understand where I had doubt and I didn't know what I was going to be doing, there was a confidence and a quietness that came on me that allowed me to, to just know that I wasn't going to have to walk through this alone. And regardless of what I was going to face, I all of a sudden knew that there was someone there that was going to walk through it with me.
Can I tell you that's the best decision I ever made to invite Jesus in? And you know, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he's knocking. Will you let him in? It's that choice again. Will you let him in? If you could bow your heads right now just to give privacy around the room. I just want to give an opportunity. And I just want to pray for you. You need to know we're not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I just want to know who I'm praying for in this moment. If there's someone here that has never made that first decision to allow Jesus to be the leader of your life, if you could just raise your hand for me in this moment, every head bow. To my left, your right. If that's you here this morning, if you would just raise your hand. Down the middle section. Over to my right, your left. If you're here today and you want to make that commitment to Jesus, if you just want to lift your hand. Or if you want to recommit, feel free to raise your hand as well. And then I also wanted to give an opportunity this morning that if you're here today and maybe you've been in a season where you've been trying to do it yourself, because if you just try harder, you'll be able to overcome. If you just maybe put a little bit more effort in, it would all come together. If that's you this morning, and and just as I was talking about making that choice daily to allow Jesus to be part of our decisions and our conversations, inviting him in in those moments where you don't know how to raise those two kids by yourself, if that's you this morning, if, if as I was speaking, just, you were reminded that you need to just make that choice every day to allow Jesus in. If you just want to put your hand up so I can pray for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hands all over. Father, I just thank you for each and every person that's raised their hand this morning. Lord, I thank you that we have an opportunity like none other, and that's to do life with you. Father, that you sent your son Jesus so that we didn't have to do life alone. We didn't have to be alone. We didn't have to be confused. We didn't have to walk in brokenness. Lord, that you provided a way that as we choose you every day, as we choose to invite you into those business decisions that we have to make, as we choose to invite you into our family, that we would trust that you're going to watch over our kids, that you're going to bring them to a saving knowledge of you, that you're going to give us the strength that we need in those moments where we need wisdom and we need discernment. Father, thank you that as we're facing our future of what job do I take? What door is going to be open? Father, thank you that right now in this moment, as we commit to you, that we will look at you as our door, as a way that you have the destiny that we need right in front of us already there. We just have to choose to walk through that door and that we can choose to walk through that door every day so that we can come and go and find good good pasture. Thank you, Lord, that as each one of us today commit to invite you in, that you will not be silent. You will not hold yourself back from anyone. As we choose to invite you in, you will give us the strength and the wisdom that we need to walk through everything that we might be facing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, 
Amen. Thank you, Horizon family. We just want to bless you as you go and enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Thank you for choosing some of it with us. Don't forget, we have Grow 1215. You can follow the signs. Thank you.